You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Welcome to the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast, The Motive. In this episode, we sit down with Jennifer Grosscloud of Columbia Hospitality and Steve Hooper from Ethan Stoll Restaurants to talk about the book, The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. They are joined by Chris Jensen of Table Group and talk about the difference between reward-centric leadership or responsibility-centric leadership. This podcast is sponsored by U.S. Bank. If you would like more information about U.S. Bank's credit card processing program, visit wahospitality.org. Welcome to the third edition of the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast. Uh, Like everyone, I'm so excited about doing this. We all know we're facing new times, we're facing new generations, and if we're going to evolve as an industry, we need to learn to lead differently, Um, which is one of the reasons we're so excited to uh, uh, partner with Chris Jensen from The Table Group, who's bringing forward different topics and concepts for us to talk about each month's podcast and take some of the best industries in the best leaders in our industry uh, from across the Northwest and talk about how these concepts apply to the real world of hospitality. Really excited to join Chris and I today uh, to have Steve Hooper with Ethan Stoll Restaurants and Jennifer Grossclaude with Columbia Hospitality. Uh, If you're not familiar uh, with their concepts, uh, Ethan Stoll Restaurants is obviously one of the, the leading culinary uh, groups in Seattle, in the Northwest, uh, and one of the most well-known chefs and styles uh, coming out of the Seattle area in the, in, in the past few years or few decades, it feels like. It's gone really fast. Uh, and, and Columbia Hospitality has actually grown to become the largest hospitality company in the Northwest. And Jennifer leads their team on uh, Cannon Beach, leading four properties and uh, was strongly recommended as one of the, the, the great leaders in, in the Oregon hospitality community. So welcome to both of you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, we're gonna talk about the motive to lead today. And uh, the book we're talking about today from the table group is uh, literally called The Motive. Um, and uh, and Chris, when I, when I heard um, uh, Patrick Lencioni who uh, uh, writes, who wrote about this in one of his conversations, he said, I wish he would have wrote this book book first. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's one of the early ones. Talk about the concept behind this book and, and why you think it's so important in today's leadership. Yeah, I remember when Pat had uh, sent me the book, <clears throat> the manuscript, I had, I had commented, you know, this is probably the first book you should have written. And, uh, and, he, and he had said the same thing. And, um, and partly because, you know, all of, all of the, information we've been covering here on this podcast and things that come out of the table group are focused on organizational health and and organizational health is by definition a very leadership centric um, way of thinking about running your organization it requires leaders who are engaged in the business leading good teams creating clarity in their organization and making sure everyone in the organization is really galvanized and rallied around what the what that um, organization is trying to achieve and so the role of the leader is essential. And what the motive is really about is understanding of all the leaders we've worked with, there's really two, two types of leaders. Those who are what we, what we call in the book reward-centered leaders. Um, in other words, these are, these are the leaders who are 
motivated to pursue um, further leadership opportunities or leadership um, excellence because of what they get out of it. And so these are leaders who, as they progress in leadership, believe that by nature of pro their progression, they now have the privilege to be able to opt out of certain responsibilities of leaders, leadership. And so these are, these are, that's one kind of leader. The other kind of leader is what we would call um, responsibility-centered leaders. These are leaders who are actually motivated to continue to pursue higher levels of leadership and more uh, growth in their leadership because of the responsibility that it carries. They cherish that responsibility. We've worked with many great leaders um, who are uh, responsibility-centered leaders. In fact, we would probably say all of the great leaders we've worked with, that's their shared characteristic is they're motivated by the responsibility that comes. The more responsibility you put on them, the more seriously they take it. These two types of motivations affect how a leader leads. Uh, and, and this is really what the book is about. In fact, Pat would go so far as to say, and he said this uh, publicly at every speech he's, he's given related to this book, uh, some people who are in places of leadership and responsibility should probably uh, quit their jobs and their responsibilities if they if their motive if their core motivation is the rewards they get and the reason for that is because um because leadership is essentially a servant-hearted responsibility it is something that affects so many people and if your core motivation is yourself the damage you'll affect, not just on the organization you lead, but the people and the lives that you're responsible to, to lead as well will be damaging. And so the, the model is very simple and it really is meant to put in front of every leader the question, why do you lead? Is it for what you get out of it? Um, status, things, material things, um, whatever, whatever it is that you're seeking, or is it for the responsibility? You, you feel a tremendous sense of burden uh, to see the organization achieve its intended impact, both on the world and your employees. And that's really what it comes down to. And those who embrace the responsibility of leadership, there are certain things that those leaders can't delegate. And that's kind of what the core of the book is about. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to ask Steve, Steve, you got to face this. Ethan's recognized as one of the top chefs, if not the country, certainly the West Coast. So you, you get people attracted um, uh, to, to come to work with Ethan and, and these incredible chef talents that they probably rock the kitchen. How do you get them to say it's more than the art and the creation? It's, it's the leadership. How do you start developing them past their initial passion? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, there's, there's sort of two things that come to mind for me uh, on, this, on this topic. One is uh, one we talk about internally uh, as it relates to our, our company as a whole, but it's, a, it's, a, it's at an individual level as well. What got you here won't get you there. Yeah. And, and that dynamic of, of at some point the shift needs to occur is really uh, uh, paramount. And so the way, the way we think about it, and we've absolutely done this as a company, and, and it's, it's, it's a mistake that we're, we're trying to limit through a, diff a few different factors that I'll get into, but uh, we have 100% promoted people out of the company. You know, great workers that were excellent at what they did, but didn't have that set of skills for that next level. We promoted them into it, and they struggled, hated their job now, 
right? And, and anything else associated with it. And they, they left. And that was that's just a huge miss, miss on everybody's part. It's, it's a loss for everybody when you can't recognize that. And so what we try and do uh, internally is have sort of a, a, a skills matrix. And as, as people are coming up the ranks, you know, there's certain things, you know, boxes they need to tick to, to see how they've been trained up on certain things. You know, we're working right now uh, with Washington State University to try and develop some leadership training programs as we promote somebody from a, a chef or a manager to a director of operations level. Learning not just to work the floor, but to work through your people is a really, that's a new skill set you've got to develop and a new muscle. Uh, and so how can we invest in that, that kind of a muscle? So those kinds of things that we're thinking about, and you know, it's a work in progress for mm -hmm. sure. We have not answered all of these questions by any stretch, but uh, I, I will say that, you know, first you got to recognize that, you know, being great in the kitchen and running a team where you can be hands-on day in and day out requires one set of skills. Uh, being able to run multiple teams is a different set of skills being a sous chef versus being a chef, you know, and any time you take a step up. And so understanding what those competencies are, training your people and then promoting them uh, is sort of the, the, the framework we're trying to bring to the, the internal kind of how to grow our teams. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, Steve said something there and I'm, I'm guessing you, you struggle with as well. I mean, Cannon Beach is recognized for its hospitality all up and down the coast. People want to go to Cannon Beach. The town has a smile on it when he comes in, which is fantastic. Um, but a lot of times when you have that servant's heart, you tend to want to do the job. So I, I think a lot of owners I've talked to or, or even managers who become managers still want to go back and bust the tables versus leading those who bust the tables or man, you know, jump in and handle the guest situation versus let people do it themselves and then coach them to get through it successfully. How have you, how have you developed as far as getting away from jumping in and, and giving your people the skills to get there and, and, and honing your own leadership skills at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And um, it's, it's difficult, right? I mean, um, you know, like Steve said that it's a work in progress as well. Um, I think it ebbs and flows with the season uh, when we are in the middle of summer and there's a line waiting to get off the freeway to pull into town. Um, and it's like Disneyland here. Um, it's real easy to just jump in and take care of that guest issue because you know your manager that's working the floor and the restaurant is too busy to handle it. Um, but you have to stop yourself. And if nothing else, if you, you know, what we try and do is if we feel like, you know, we still need to offer that assistance because the manager's really in the weeds, um, we try and go alongside of them and at least offer that support. Uh, so, because some aren't quite there yet, maybe to, um, have the ability to handle some of those situations right on the fly, um, in the height of a peak, you know, peak moment. So we continue to try and, you know, coach and train. Um, and then those opportunities that we can say, okay, here's, here's some ideas. Here's some things that we might suggest that you handle that situation with. Um, and, let them go forth and uh, and then recap after the biggest biggest piece that is can often be missed um you know and we're guilty of it too is you've got to recap you've got to recap those situations you've got to talk through it how did it go what was the reaction how did it how do you feel right how did how did the experience make you feel because if you, the way you feel is probably very similar to how the guest is feeling 
Uh, and so then that gives you the opportunity to really bring it to a little bit of more personal level and um, help them through uh, maybe, you know, what they re- did really well and should continue to do and hone and, and absolutely celebrate. And then what are those opportunities that maybe they just took a little bit of a sidestep on and, and could have focused on better? So it's all about the recap for us, especially when we're in the craziness of, of peak season here. That's great advice. Chris, any thought on either one of those things? Well, I, I thought, you know, maybe it's a, maybe I'll take what Jennifer, you were just talking about and, um, and, and put some, some concrete uh, actions into this because you had mentioned, mentioned one, which is the, it, the important responsibility that leaders have to developing their people. See in the book at the end, after we talk about, you know, this concept of, uh, being reward-centered or responsibility-centered, one of the things we point out is there are five, and by the way, the list in the book of these five things are not exhaustive. These aren't the only five things that leaders can't delegate, but we're we're highlighting the kinds of things that a lot of leaders say, now that I've arrived at this place of leadership, I don't have, I can delegate these things out, but developing your people and teaching them to do the same thing to the people they lead is one of those things leaders can't delegate. It's a responsibility your direct reports and, and teaching them how to, how to improve and having those coaching conversations and debriefing what happened. That is one of those things that a leader can't delegate, can't delegate. It's a core responsibility they have. That's fun. You might have a a human resources department. Um, Most, you know, I don't think most small restaurants have a resource, human resource department, but if, but if you did, um, you can't delegate developing your direct reports to somebody else. This is, these are people you have to pay attention to. That's something highlighted. Another thing you can't, you can't delegate is over communication. A leader's role in reminding their people um, why we do what we do, um, the mission and impact we want to have on uh, the people who patronize our hotels or restaurants. Uh, they need to hear that from you. And a lot of leaders think, well, I've arrived here. Now I should be able to decree it at a once a year all staff meeting. And you should just remember but you can't do that. The, the best leaders are the ones who take over communication as a core responsibility. Um, leading great team meetings. You know, oftentimes we think now that I'm the leader, I don't need to run team meetings. I can have somebody else run meetings for me. Now, this is, this is your team. This is your organization. You are responsible. You might have some, you might partner with somebody to help those meetings be effective, but that's your meeting and you want your people engaged, whether it's you know, pulling the whole staff together at a restaurant or a huddle for a shift at a hotel, take seriously the impact of that meeting on providing clarity and engagement, inspiration on your people so they know what to do. That's one of those things you can't delegate. Building your team, making sure you're hiring and cultivating that core team around you. You can't delegate that to somebody else. That's something you have to take seriously. And probably the one that's the most most challenging for leaders that we talk about is having difficult conversations. Oftentimes we think, hey, now I'm the leader. I'm going to have somebody else have these conversations for me. No, if you're the leader, this is a responsibility you have. You need to be the person who is willing to have those uncomfortable and difficult conversations, whether it's about performance, um, any issues in the organization that need to be addressed that that might make other people feel uncomfortable. We can't abdicate that just because we are now in this... um, privileged place of responsibility, right? So 
And if I may add to that difficult yeah. conversation, I mean, it's with um, not only with our teams, but also with our guests. Um, and so talking back to, you know, the, you know, time when we're in a, in a peak moment and, and things are crazy and, and you have a really upset guest in front of you. Um, if your leader's not ready to have that conversation because you haven't put the time and energy into getting them there, um, it's okay. I think personally, I mean, I, you know, I'm not an expert, but certainly I think it's okay to have that conversation and have your leader next to you to listen um, or as I like to do often, if I'm having to have a, have a call with a guest after the fact, um, that's really upset about something, um, if, and when possible, I leave my office door open for that conversation. And I do that on purpose because I think that it's really important for, um, any of my team members that might be walking by to hear the conversation, even if they're only hearing one side, mm-hmm. um, they can pick up on things. Um, and I often invite people, I'll wave them in often to just sit down and just listen. If I hear them kind of watch them kind of, you know, loitering a little bit, because I think those types of experiences help then guide our teams into having those difficult conversations because they're scary, whether they're with a team, a team member or a guest, they're not fun. Um, Mm -hmm. they take practice, uh, and, they, they take, you know, they take a lot of coaching to get through them. So as much as we can offer that, I think is key. You know, Steve, I'll, I'll start with you. Anything you'd advise me on when you see someone who wants it just because they've earned it or deserve it or that, how, how do you break through to them that that's not the reason you should be a leader? Yeah, no, it's a, uh, uh, it goes into the difficult conversation category. Uh, I think Anthony and, and, you know, this is, of all the five muscles that, that Chris just highlighted that uh, leaders can't delegate, this is, I think, the hardest and slowest to develop uh, of all of them. Because when you're a leader, uh, at least what I've seen, uh, a lot of times the, there's a component of leadership, kind of a, the personal component of leadership, that has nothing to do with the title where, you know, people kind of need to like you if they want to follow you anywhere. Right. Uh, and so like having that kind of a difficult conversation and, 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 and being able to sit someone down really takes practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I really appreciate what Jennifer said in terms of letting people into the just so, sort of into hearing the kinds of words and the tone and, and that kind of stuff takes, takes, a, takes a lot of practice and whatnot. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, as, as I hear, hear your story, Anthony, and think of, of, you know, my own career and, 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 and mistakes, honestly, that I've made that sound and, and feel very, very similar, uh, in so many ways, um, uh, up to and including what I said earlier, promoting people because it was their time to get promoted, right? Not because it was the right move for them or the company. Um, and then you end up promoting them out of the company accidentally al- along the way, and you did nobody any service. So I, I think that that dynamic for me has been the hardest thing to develop and being able to have that hard conversation early so that you know they sit. And, and I think, you know, the, the Mullally, I think it was an Alan Mullally uh, quote or, or conversation in the second half of the book around being able to tell people in a very crystal clear way you here's what's good about you and here's what's amiss and doesn't fit with our organization and if that doesn't work for you that's okay too and finding a way to have that conversation in that way was a really uh, that felt pretty eye-opening kind of coming out of the book being like oh that's interesting don't think about it as a 
if you're in the company, you're good. If you're out of the company, you're bad. It's uh, what's best for you and what's best for the organization. If that doesn't match, that's okay too. Uh, and being able to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I love and it. I Sure. Um, for me too, it's, it's about allowing the right time to have the right conversation. Oftentimes I think leaders often raise by a lot of these conversations too quickly, or they think, mm -hmm. Oh, I told, I told the, the team member that they shouldn't do that or that this, that maybe they should have done it this way, but it maybe wasn't passing or it was quick. Um, but it wasn't, it, it sometimes can lose its meaning if you don't allow the right time for the right conversation. Um, and that takes time, right? Because sometimes then you're hours and hours into, you know, many different conversations um, to guide them down the path you need them to go down. Um, unless it's, it's meaningful. Um, and sometimes using examples of other people, I think have helped me in guiding leaders to realize that this might not be their path. Um, knowing that they might try and get there. Absolutely. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work, right? It's going to take a lot of effort and it can't be about reward for them. It can't be about the title. Um, because every person that I've mistakenly as well promoted just because of time, because they wanted that title. I don't know that any of them have, have actually. Mm. Through. So. Chris, a, a similar, thank you, Jennifer. This, Chris, a similar conversation to you. One of the big pitfalls in our industry and, and, and Jennifer, I'm just getting to meet you, but Steve and I have known each other for a while. People own one restaurant mm -hmm. and they're, they're a great dictator. <laughs> they're a phenomenal benevolent leader. Thou shalt because I said so. They can see everything line of sight all day long. And the, and the restaurant's incredible. And then they go to two or three and they can't be sighted and seen. They haven't developed those leadership skills. And a great concept, a great food, great passion collapses. Yeah. Is, is that because as an individual owner, they haven't developed those leadership skills to be offsite or to see otherwise? And, and if they're thinking of expanding, does the motive apply to this as well? Well, absolutely. I, I, I think this is one of the, one of the difficult, difficult things, founder led organizations, whether it's a restaurant, a hotel, or, you know, gosh, I work with a lot of technology companies as well. Founder led organizations have a hard time making that transition to growth because what it takes to get something started, the creativity, the, um, the, the passion, the heart, is often a very different thing. Steve said earlier, what got you here won't get you there. And, and that's exactly the case. It, oftentimes the creativity and passion that's required to make something start and be beloved is different than the skill set required to build upon that and expand and grow it. And a, and, and a lot of leaders either um, lack the humility uh, or or, um, or they lack a team around them to provide them the honest feedback to help them grow. You know, I think one of the things that we, we don't do enough of is having honest conversations with each other out of compassion and care for them. You know, whether it's the question you asked earlier, Anthony, around, you know, people who report to you or whether it's, uh, or, or whether it's our own bosses or leaders who are running the organizations we're a part of, we often assume people are doing it for the, the reason we would expect them. They want to be servants. They want to do all these right things, but we don't actually provide them enough 
honest, caring feedback to help them improve and get better. Most leaders aren't leading the way they want to lead. They want to get better, but they need people around them to give them honest feedback. And, you know, if, if you ask most people, well, why do you want to grow? Why do you want two or three restaurants? Usually their answer is, um, well, money, because this is a, a quick way to grow and expand something good and, and get more money. But that's, that's exactly the problem is when the core motivation is the same as why every frontline employee wants to become manager to make more money. When we fail to develop and coach them and give them feedback around the motivation behind that, well, why uh, do you want to have more money? What's, what difference will it make in the world if, if you expand your skill or this restaurant or hotel expands its footprint? Um, who cares? And I think having an answer to the who cares conversation or the why conversation question is essential to, to making sure any organization succeeds. We work with some great restaurants who have scaled across the organization. And one of the reasons why it was successful is because they had the motivation right. The, the core motivation was right in the leadership. And it was something they expected of every leader who managed one of the restaurants that they uh, were responsible for. And so paying attention to that motivation is essential. Oftentimes founders just assume people will have the same passion as them. And that's rarely the case. It needs to be developed. I started with uh, Jennifer last time. I'll start with Steve this time. Steve, you're one of the leaders in the in Seattle hospitality or Seattle restaurant Alliance. And a lot of people look up to you as you're coaching people, anything out of this book, you would hope to leave them with today. Anything you would hope people listening um, in becoming better leaders within our industry, hope they got out of today's podcast or this book. Um, I think, uh, the, the overarching thing I felt from, from the book and, and going through it is, is leadership is very much a journey. It's not a, not a destination. Um, and, and I kind of liked the, the early reframing in the book, um, around the chief executing officer, as opposed to the chief executive officer, right? It's this idea of moving through and, 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 and leading a, as sort of a, a kind of uh, a path to something that, that we all can all go, go achieve together. Um, and, and for me, uh, what I've tried to, you know, I think help with a little bit and, 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 and I like how Jennifer and Chris both touched on elements of this is that um, individuals can grow. And you, you just need to identify kind of what their areas of opportunity are and give uh, a little bit of grace at times, right? Uh, especially in our industry where it, it fundamentally, this is a people-based business. Uh, and sometimes the, the person that you're coaching or, or whatnot, you know, having that sense of, of who they are as an individual and treating them as an individual and helping them work through their challenges, whatever they happen to be. And the level of dedication and loyalty and other things that can come from supporting your team members as people, as opposed to just, you know, kind of the cogs in the machine of, of whatever uh, hotel or, or restaurant you're running. That's, that's kind of been one of my, was kind of one of my takeaways is like that, that individual development plan idea, the idea that you can help people grow from where they're at today to where they want to see themselves. Um, or, you know, 
uh, have have a difficult conversation along the way if they're not going to get there uh, to the, the comments a moment ago. So for me, that idea of growth, the journey, and, and leadership as sort of a, a an activity, not a role, uh, was kind of my my big takeaway. Jennifer, what about you? As you talk to hotel operators or other hospitality folks across Oregon, what would you hope they would get out of either today's podcast or or your reading of the book and in, in leading their teams? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing that I, I would hope is that it is focused, that you do focus on your teams first and foremost, um, that being a leader is not first and foremost about making your business succeed. Uh, it's about building the framework for your team to make sure that you have the right people and the right players in place um, and you have you're all aligned on the same uh, track towards that same goal. Um, and the success will come uh, if you're focusing your efforts on the team. Um, and that's what I enjoyed so much about the book was the story, the narrative, um, which was, you know, the, the bulk of the book as it started off was, you know, that the CEO that was so focused on um, why his business wasn't working and why his business wasn't succeeding as much as the, as the other uh, CEO's business um, because he had lost his, his focus. Uh, and so allowing you as a leader to make sure that you are understanding that your greatest asset is your team members uh, first and foremost. And if you put your energy into those people uh, and you help guide them uh, in whichever direction they need to be guided, uh, the rest will follow and fall into place. I love it. I love it. Chris, bring us home. What did, what did we not talk about today? What are some of your highlights you got out of today's podcast? You know, people remember. Well, I think the main point of this is to uh, invite everybody listening to do a little bit of a gut check about your own leadership and ask yourself the question, why am I in this role or pursuing a leadership role? And one thing I want to give everybody permission to do is just say, you know what? Maybe I don't want that responsibility. Leadership is not for me. That's a that's a humble and honest choice. And we would invite more people to take us up on that decision. Um, and yet it's not one we encourage. I think we want we want to change the focus from now that I've become a leader, what are the things I don't have to do anymore? I can delegate to others. The point of this book is to say, Let's make the focus more about now that I'm a leader, what are the essential things I'm responsible for that, that I need to be accountable to, to myself and my team to ensuring that I never drop the ball in these particular areas as a leader? Because as Jennifer and Steve mentioned, there are people and an organization relying on me as the leader to make sure these things happen. And so too often the focus is on what I don't have to do, what I get to give up now that I've arrived we want the focus to be more on what are you responsible for that you can't delegate. That is what makes a great leader a great leader and why those leaders lead better organizations than others. And uh, so do a little self-reflection uh, and pause and reflect on why, why am I in this position or why do I want to be in this position if you're not yet in one? I think that was, that was a great, great way to bring it home. Again, the, the book we talked about today is, is The Motive um, by The Table Group. Uh, Patrick Lencioni. Um, and I would encourage everyone to really look in the mirrors. We're resetting the industry. We're reinventing the industry. You're literally rebuilding teams from scratch that we're instituting the right motives to develop our leaders and ourselves 
and, and where we go from, from here. So thanks so much for your time today. And uh, I hope everyone has a great holiday and, uh, and great luck in the, in the future. So with that, uh, thank you to uh, Steve Hooper with uh, Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Thank you to uh, uh, Jennifer Grosscloud with Columbia Hospitality. And Chris, thank you for uh, co-hosting and helping us lead us through this, uh, this journey that we're on. Join us next time when we discuss one of the five temptations of a CEO, choosing invulnerability over trust. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.